You're clocked out. We're locked in. You're listening to Crunch Time with Miguez and Mesh here on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Welcome in. Happy Friday. It's Crunch Time Live once again from Lampson Park. You've had Gerard Field for the Sunbelt Softball Championships. Matt Miguez here. James Mesh back in the EFCO Development Studios in Upper Lafayette. EFCO Development is a civil construction company that specializes in new multifamily construction. The Boston Celtics forced a game seven. Denver said, we're ready to move on. Big weekend on the Diamonds for all of our local teams, baseball and softball. We'll get into all those series. Plus, James and I will dissect the New Orleans Saints schedule, where we see wins, where we see tough games, things of that nature. But let's bring him in now, James Mesh. Happy Friday, sir. How the hell are you? Oh, I'm doing absolutely phenomenal on this Friday fun show. How about you, Matt? I'm doing really well. It's a tad warm. I bet. I bet it is over Uh, there. I can see the sunlight going on your face. So yesterday with the weather... It wasn't as bad because there was a lot of clouds in the sky. Right. There was a nice breeze. Today, not so much. Maybe got a little wet to cool you down. Yeah. T- t- today, not so much. It's uh, it's it's 91. The the sun, as you can see, is in the back corner of my face. So uh, a little uncomfortable. But look, I'm I'm outside watching some fantastic college softball. You can only complain so much, right? Right. Because Marshall versus. South Al's playing right now. Yeah, they just got underway. They've thrown three pitches in this game so far. Top of the first, South Alabama up to bat to kick this game off. But James, we'll get to the NBA playoffs and, of course, this softball tournament here in just a minute. But the first thing that I want to start today's show with Mm -hmm. is the New Orleans Saints schedule. It's an interesting one for sure. Because I've got to tell you, I'm a big fan. Okay. I'm a big fan of it. So you open the season at home, which is always a good thing. Week one at home is always the best case scenario, and you get it against a talented yet beatable opponent in the Tennessee Titans. Yeah, I mean, Tennessee Titans, they're not looking the greatest at the moment since you don't know exactly what you're going to see from Ryan Tannehill in the future and beyond in 2023 since you still have Malik Willis, but they don't seem to be really big on him anymore since they drafted Will Levis early on the second right. round in this draft just a couple weeks ago. Yeah, you saw a report last week that he might not even make the 53-man roster. Right, so you're not totally sure what's going on in Tennessee. But here's the thing. Foot brought up a good point. Saints never play great against the Tennessee Titans in their history in the 16 total games that the Saints have played against the Titans, they are 6-9-1. and Yay. Not the greatest. Most recently no. in 2021 when they had to go to Tennessee, when they started doing the 17-game schedule. Correct. They played at Tennessee. wasn't the greatest. You saw a couple of phantom calls that didn't help the Saints. They were still able to keep it close near the end, but they ended up losing. You do remember in 2019 when Mike Thomas broke the record. Correct in that game in 2019. But it, it's been back and forth. A lot of the games, none of them are ever what you would call cute or nice wins whenever they do win. But you do look at it, and especially in 2011 when Jake Locker, you remember Jake Locker, huh? Yeah. 
That I, game, I, that game, they won 22-17, and it was like it came down to the final couple of plays of the game for the Saints to actually win that one. So even oh, though that Jake one's Walker. at, even though that one is at home, it's early on the season. You don't have a great record against the Titans, and if you know the Saints like I know the Saints, the Saints never start the season it's off true. hot. It's true. Um, so interested to see how that one plays out because, like you mentioned, even though they have a bad history against the Titans, the Titans aren't going to be the team in 2023 that they have been the last couple of years. Um, you know, you saw them take a, a turn last year towards the, the, the wrong side of things, and, you, and I don't think that they're going to flip it back, you know, to the other side of, of the spectrum this year. Right. I don't think the Titans will be a, like, 5-12 and 12 team this year, but I do wonder – if Derrick Henry takes a step back, how far does he take a step back? Do we see Traylon Burks take a step forward? Because he did show flashes flashes last year when he played with Ryan Tannehill at times. Right. You do wonder. The defense, even though not a lot of people stand out and you're not like, wow, this is a premier defense, it's still a defense that's very scrappy and one where you're like, they are sneaky good and even though no one stands out individually – Overall, as a unit, you're like, you have to really respect them because they will make those type of games where you would have to win for 16 sure. to 13. For sure, for sure. Week two, first time game of the season for the black and gold. They will be in the Queen City, a.k.a. Charlotte, North Carolina, to play the Carolina Panthers on Monday night football. James, two-part question for you. Number one, will this be a Bryce Young-led Carolina Panthers team? By week two. And number two, how do you see that game going for New Orleans? I think this will be a Bryce-led football team by the time we get to week two of the NFL season. And I still see it as a team where you have a lot of new faces. You have a whole new quarterback. So you're going to be still trying to figure out things there with the receivers. Has he gotten it down with Chris Olave? Is Mike Thomas injured there or not? Alva Kamara has... How much is Kendra Miller in in the fold? How is the defense looking? Is Will Lutz looking like a competent kicker like he used to be? I think the Saints, they eke out a win because it's going to be early in the season. It's Monday night football, and I think if they lose that game, you're going to keep continuing that narrative of, oh, the Saints, they struggle heavily against mobile QBs and against rookie QBs. Interested to see how, how that game plays out. You know, Carolina had to give up a lot to move up to number one. You know, is, is Bryce Young ready right away uh, to, to step in and be the leader for that team? I think only time will tell. You're going to have to see him in camp, obviously. Uh, but, you know, I, I think it's good to get a divisional game out of the way like that early on in the year. I think it's a good measuring stick for the Saints just two weeks into the season to say, okay, look, if we want to win the division, we need to work on A, B, and C. Right, because let's say you do lose to the Titans. You're going to have to win at least one of those two road games between the Monday Night Football matchup against the Panthers or you would have to go to Green Bay the following Sunday and beat them there where you have to play a Jordan Love that even though he's been in the league for four years now, Three, four you years. It, you treat it as a rookie quarterback. You almost have to treat it as a rookie quarterback, even though he did get some action last year where you saw him against the Eagles and you were like, well, actually, okay, now that he's had a few years to develop and sit behind Aaron Rodgers, looks like he might be the guy. Right. 
Yeah, that, that third game will be interesting, too. The thing that thrills me about that game is you're going to be in Green Bay in September. Yeah, it's still going to be so, warm, so you won't have to worry about the cold. You won't it, have to worry about the right. snow. It, it won't be the frozen tundra of Lambeau. It'll just be Lambeau, uh, w- which I think will be a benefit for, for New Orleans in that matchup. They then turn, return home in week four to host Tampa Bay, who's going to play quarterback for the Bucks. Is it going to be Baker? Is it, it going to be, be Kyle, Kyle Trask? Trask? Do they maybe pick up a veteran? Who knows? I, like I, I, I'm not, I'm not totally sure what they're going to do. Uh, that game, you know, October first inside the Superdome. The last couple of years with Tom Brady being in Tampa Bay, you knew what you were going to get out of Tampa. Now I'm not so sure. Um, I, I think the first four games of this schedule, James, it's a very winnable stretch for the Saints. I, I could easily see them being three and one in the first four games. See, and I could see it, but I think the Saints in the first four weeks of the season they end up going two and two. Okay. I wouldn't. I wouldn't. I wouldn't be surprised by that. I also wouldn't um, be surprised if they ended up dropping three of the games. Oh. And God, they only and that. they only win against like say the Panthers. Don't say that. Because if they started zero for three. And then got the win against the Bucks. It would be like, ooh, that's that's really tough because you know the percentage is when a team goes zero and two to start a season, it's really really low. It's like the low teens, like it's like 13 percent. And then it's like if you're over three, I think it drops down to like four percent. Yeah, it's super low if you're zero and three. Uh, week five at New England feels like a winnable game. Yeah, because I, I, even though people are low on Mac Jones, I'm not ready to give up on the young QB. I wonder about. Bill Belichick at this point with his coaching decisions, I don't. The receiving core for the Patriots is not the best, but I still like what they're doing and the fact that they got, in my opinion, a steal at 17 to go get Christian Gonzalez, the cornerback out of Oregon. Bill Belichick really likes focusing on the secondary and getting a lot of great cornerbacks. So I, I think that's that's a big piece for it all. And then again, I'll, I'll say the same sentiment about the Green Bay game. You're going there early. Right, the elements are not going to be as as difficult as they would be, say, in December, um, which again is a huge benefit to a team that plays half their games in a dome. So, and and you do worry about when it comes to big weather games. You had that question with Drew Brees at times because he lighted up in the dome, but as soon as he got into New York, when it's like November, when it's in Green Bay in November, December. It gets really questionable with him, and that's why they have to get a little more conservative. It's kind of the Correct. same thing with Derek Carr. Yeah, it is. And, and that's one of the question marks that I have about Derek Carr this season that I hope gets answered pretty early on uh, for, for the New Orleans Saints offense. Now, we get into week six and week seven. People look at four-game stretches or four-day stretches between games and go, oh, crap, how are you going to pull that off? But, James, if they were going to have a four-day stretch, I don't know that they could have had gotten one much better. Right, you're gonna because you're going to travel to Houston and you're going to play a rookie QB. This one's not as mobile, sneaky mobile, if, if you want to consider that, in C.J. Stroud with the Texans. Still trying to get trying to figure out what their receiving core is going to look like because they moved on from their number one in former Saints receiver Brandon Cooks. But you feel like a former 3-14 and 14 team last year – they, I don't see them improving that much this coming year. And then you move on to a 
in a home game against the Jacksonville Jaguars for a Thursday night matchup in the Caesar Superdome. I think I think the biggest thing, though, and, and obviously you know everything you just mentioned is important, but to add on to that, you you play at noon against Houston. That game will be done by three, three fifteen. You travel shower, back home by the shower, do press. You're back in New Orleans by dinner. Right. And then you could probably give the guys the day off Monday, practice Tuesday, Wednesday, walk through Wednesday. Yeah, and and then and then you play Thursday night. So if you had to be if you had to do a road home four day stretch, I don't think they could have asked for a better one. Especially with it being so close. It's yeah, not it's that, not like you would be going from Denver to New Orleans or correct. like San Francisco yeah, that's a, to that's New a Orleans. That's a one hour flight. Yeah. Like it's that's it's super easy. Um so yeah, a, a good stretch there for the Saints. And then week eight at Indianapolis. Again, another rookie quarterback. A team that struggled last season. You don't know how much they're going to improve this year. Obviously, if Jonathan Taylor's healthy, he's going to be a key factor for them. But I still, you know, call me call me an optimist. I still like the Saints' chances in that game. Right, because you're going to have a very athletic Anthony Richardson who probably could beat you on the ground like you would see with Lamar Jackson. But he has very questionable accuracy issues, as we've seen before. So Correct. how much does he improve from rookie minicamp till week eight when he has when he has to go against the Saints. And if not, and if it's not him, you're going against a journeyman at this point in Gardner Minshew. Which for sure I like Gardner Minshew, but as a consistent starter, not my type of guy. Yeah, for for a for a quarterback that you would have to face, I'd be okay with facing Gardner Minshew. And that's no knock on him. He's a good quarterback. But like you mentioned, I wouldn't trust him to be a consistent starter. So I trust him to be the guy that I'm playing against. Exactly. And then you move on. You play a couple of NFC South, NFC North, I mean, and the Chicago Bears in Week 9 at home. And then you've got Week 10 right before the bye. you got to play the Minnesota Vikings in Minnesota. The Vikings. And again, a- another game that normally the weather would be a- an impact for a-, a normal situation, but Minnesota plays in a dome, so 72 degrees, no rain, no snow, you're in good shape. Right, and it's kind of been back and forth in in this kind of rivalry you kind of look at over the last yep. few years between the Saints and Vikings. It's It's been back and forth, so this one, I see the Saints – taking a little bit of a step forward this year while the Vikings take a little bit of a step back because I don't see them winning 13 games again because of how many of their wins were by a field goal. So Correct. at that point, it's almost a pick them early on in this offseason. Yeah, for sure. We've hit the bye week, week 11, 417 here on your Friday. We'll go ahead and take a time out here. When we return, James and I will look at weeks 12 through 18, which feature quite a bit of NFC South matchups. And then we will recap a big 3-1 to victory for Jerry Glasgow and the Louisiana Ranger Cajuns last night as they prepare for a semifinal bout with Texas State right here on The Game. This is Crunch Time on The Game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. The Game has a brand new app and it is your one-stop shop for all things Southwest Louisiana sports station. Download the free mobile app today for your Apple or Android device by searching the game Southwest Louisiana. That way, no matter where you are, you can listen to the game. 
which is Southwest Louisiana Sports Station. Got something to say to Miguez and Mesh? Hell yeah! It's easy. Just call the hotline by dialing 337-706-0111. Now, back to more Crunch Time with Miguez and Mesh here on The Game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Welcome back. 421, Matt Miguez, James Mesh. The Game Hotline is 337-706-0111. Let's get back to the Saints' schedule. Now week 12, the Sunday right after Thanksgiving, they will be on the road in Atlanta to take on the Dirty Birds, the Atlanta Falcons, in one of two matchups against the Falcons in the back half of the season. James, Desmond Ritter playing quarterback, Taylor Heineke playing quarterback, do we know? You would assume Desmond Ritter, unless Desmond just absolutely craps the bed or he gets injured, then you would see Taylor Heineke, but I would assume Ritter would be in at that point in the season. Either way, I like the chances for the Saints, um, especially with the defense that the Saints have coming back with guys like Elante Taylor, Marshawn Lattimore, Demario Davis, Pete Warner, etc. cetera. Uh, I, I think the, the Saints have a really strong defense there and could really rattle whichever quarterback that they end up facing. Um, week 13 at home against Detroit, good offense. Uh, the Saints have their, their running back now in Jamal Williams, uh, and they traded away DeAndre Swift. So, I mean, God, who, who's, who's going to run the football for Detroit? Oh, you're going to – you're going to see a lot of Jameer Gibbs at that point. If you're going to draft Jameer Gibbs at 12, you have a lot yeah. that you're going to you're going to use him very heavily in that offense. And then don't forget, this is going to be the C.J. Gardner-Johnson revenge game. That is true. He is a member of the Detroit Lions. Now week 14 at home to play Bryce Young and the Carolina Panthers for the second time in the 2023 season. That game always worries me. For some reason, when Carolina comes to New Orleans, you don't play well. No, and then it never feels like you play your best game in Atlanta. That that's true too. It, it's it's it's, it's back and night. forth. It's back and forth because sometimes Atlanta, we've seen it even in recent history, they've taken a couple of games in New Orleans. But sometimes you're, especially last year when we look saw Week One, Saints didn't start getting to go until the fourth quarter. Right. Saints typically play well in Atlanta on Thanksgiving night, though. So yeah. Uh, week 15 at home against the New York football Giants. Look, Saquon, great running back. Obviously, Daniel Jones had a strong season this past year. Uh, you know, how, how do you like that matchup? Feels good. I, it feels like this is kind of a interesting matchup. The wide receivers don't feel like the best, but there are times where you'll see the defense of the Saints get a little lackadaisical and not necessarily focused and sometimes they'll give up a big play. So I wouldn't be surprised if you saw a huge play late by like Jalen Hyatt or a big-time run by Saquon Barkley that actually maybe seals it for the Giants. Back-to-back -back road games starting Thursday night against the Rams on in L.A. James, the Rams took a step back last year. Do you think they take another one, or, or are they a contender again in 2023? I don't see them as a contender. But I don't necessarily see them taking any farther of a step back than they really did last year. I think they kind of stay in that same type of realm as in 2022 because they ended up going 5-12. and 12. I, I see them going like 6-11, and 
maybe seven and ten. Like they're in that kind of mediocre-ish range where they're just missing the playoffs after the last couple of weeks of the season. But this is where the Saints really turn it on in my eyes. Where if you lose this one, you have to win the rest. Yeah. Then ne- the next week, New Year's Eve, you go to Tampa to play the Bucks in Week 17. Um, look, I-, I typically have good feelings about when the Saints go to Tampa. So I'm going to stick with that, and I think the Saints win this game. Yeah, I think depending on how the wins and losses go, I think these last couple of games between the Bucks and the Falcons, those are must-wins, and I think that's the big difference in the NFC South and the Saints winning both the at-Tampa game and then Week 18 against the Falcons at home. And then Week 18, again, once again, the Saints will host the Atlanta Falcons to round out the regular season. Let's talk softball now, the Louisiana Rage and Cajuns. Defeated ULM last night, three to one, behind a complete game two hitter from Sam Landry. She threw 104 pitches, 72 of them were for strikes, and the game really got broke open. It was one to one in the bottom of the fourth, but then after Maddie Hayden was able to reach base on a walk, Jordan Campbell comes in for a pinch, a pinch hit situation, and she gets an RBI triple to the right field wall that was able to score Hayden. And then the next play, Stormy Kotsunek comes in, gets an RBI sacrifice to score Campbell, made it 3-1, to one, and that would be how the game ended. After the game, Jerry Glasgow talked about his pitcher's performance in the circle. Uh, I really thought, uh, we said in the 15, if one runner gets on, we'll go to Kendra. You know, one more runner, the first base runner in the sixth and seventh. I really wanted to get Kendra in just to give her that, get her out there, you know, and she's done so good in the closer row and save save a few less pitches off Sam for later in the week. But, you know, she was just cruising. And so she didn't allow any base runners. There wasn't any reason to make a switch. So that's kind of how that played out. And I thought I thought she did. She got much better the last three or four innings. I was really proud of how she had made that adjustment. And then tonight the Cajuns will play four-seeded or five-seeded Texas State. Jessica Mullins will be on in the circle for the Bobcats. James, in 38 appearances, she has started 25 games this season. She is 21-10. and 10. She has pitched 17 complete games, 186.2 innings pitched. She is 21-10 with a 1.88 ERA. She's given up 126 hits, 64 runs, 50 of them earned, and she has struck out 168. Basically, what I'm trying to say is no matter how good the Cajuns' offense is, they're going to have their hands full with one Jessica Mullins tonight. Oh, yeah, no doubt. I mean, this is this is probably going to be one of those pitchers' duels where this game might end up being 3-2. to two. Yep. And it comes no, down I, to a late run in the 6th, 7th inning. Absolutely. Jerry Glasgow said last night that Megan Shorman will oppose her for the Louisiana Ragin' Cajuns. But Glasgow did offer his thoughts on facing Texas State's pitcher. She attacks. She she gets at you. She gets after you. You know she's gonna come in there. She's gonna really pitch. She's a really um, cocky pitcher, confident pitcher. She's gonna get out there and circle, and she's gonna attack. And we we have to attack back, and and hopefully we can win that battle. And then lastly, Sam Landry was asked. You know when she was in the circle, what did she see out of ULM's lineup that she was able to attack so well? You know, they were very aggressive, so I think I quickly learned I could keep the ball not exactly on the plate and um, get them swinging. I think that took me a few innings to figure out at first because I was just trying to go at them instead of walking them. 
um, and they were getting those hits. Uh, but I did figure out that they're going to swing. I just got to make solid pitches and stay around the strike zone, but I don't have to be right in it. Bottom of the second inning here at Lampson Park between South Alabama and Marshall. The score is still 0-0 zero to zero in what has been a defensive battle thus far. You've seen quite a few big plays by the defense. A, a diving catch in left field, a double play right after. Um, so it should be a very interesting game here between South Alabama and Marshall, the winner advancing to the championship game to face the winner of Louisiana and Texas State. We'll take a timeout. Stay on the topic of the Sun Belt. The head man of the Sun Belt Conference, Commissioner Keith Gill, joins us on the other side to talk about the softball championship as well as the upcoming baseball championship in Montgomery in a couple of weeks. You're listening to Crunch Time right here on the game. This is Crunch Time, live from the Evco Development Studios in Upper Lafayette on the game. 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Welcome back to Crunch Time, 434, right here, live at Lampson Park, the Sunbelt Softball Championship semifinals, the first semifinal, I should say, underway between South Alabama and Marshall, top of the third now, one out, a still scoreless game between the Thundering Herd and the Jaguars. The winner, of course, will advance to the championship game to face the winner of Louisiana and Texas State at 1 o'clock tomorrow afternoon, right here at Lampson Park. To talk about the Sunbelt Softball Championship, the upcoming Sunbelt Baseball Championship, is the commissioner of the Sunbelt Conference, Mr. Keith Gill. Commissioner, really appreciate you taking the time on this Friday afternoon. How are you, sir? You know, I'm doing great. Yeah, thanks for having me. Really um, happy to be here and, um, yeah, exciting softball tournament so far, that's for sure. So let's start with, with the tournament. You know, when you look at the baseball championship, it's in a neutral site in Montgomery at Riverwalk Stadium, yet the softball championship is still being played at, at campus sites. Is there a particular reason for the difference on your guys' end? Yeah, you know, I think the reason is, like, when you look at baseball facilities, and obviously we've got some outstanding baseball facilities in the Sunbelt Conference, but there are a lot of really good municipal facilities that you can play in neutral sites. You know, softball's a little different, you know, so softball you know, one of the best facilities in the nation. And so if you're going to stage a championship, you need it to be at a facility that's comparable or, or, or at least better. And, um, and so and those don't really exist, at least not in our footprint, and we haven't found them yet. So uh, we would love to have a neutral site softball, but obviously the quality of the venue is really important to us um, to make sure it reflects the quality of our softball and the quality of our softball venues. And um, once we do Softball is really important to us. We do everything we can to provide a great championship experience for those students. And, um, you know, if we can find the right facility, then, you know, we'll, we'll certainly explore doing neutral site. Now, one thing about hosting it at campus sites, what it does is it brings in a ton of economic revenue for the university, the city. Um, so, you know, from, from that standpoint, you know, how important is it to maybe on the other side of that coin to keep it? On, on a campus site basis? Yeah, you know, I, I would say that um, I, I certainly think those are benefits. You know, um, as, I, as I think about it, you know, when you think about the championship experience, you know, um, I, I think you're really trying to create a championship where 
the student athletes come and your coaches come and they don't feel like it's a regular season game, that it really is a postseason experience for them. And I think that's one of the things that we really think with the sport neutral site, I think is, is a really important kind of thing in consideration. But if we could find a, 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 a neutral site that we thought would um, provide the right experience, we would certainly explore that and, and certainly know that, you know, that kind of economic impact for that specific campus would be something else that would kind of not be at the forefront of that consideration because once you move neutral site, you know, you lose that benefit. And I think that that's right. The facility at Louisiana is great. You know, I think our branding's good. We've got good signage there. And, um, and I think it creates a nice postseason experience for, for the students that are participating. Looking at the baseball tournament this year, you look at the Sunbelt Conference and the additions of Southern Miss and, and Old Dominion and James Madison and, and Marshall have been felt, but especially Southern Miss, you know, c- coming in and taking the conference by storm. Coastal Carolina, obviously a top team in the country th- this year. Talk about the strength of baseball in the Sunbelt Conference. And when you look at the standings, you know, there's there's a lot of teams where they could still get a, a top six seed and get a first round bye in the tournament, but at the same time, they could also find themselves on the outside looking in. They're obviously in our baseball, and, you know, we do. Obviously, Southern Miss would be great. They were a national host last year and one of the top 16 seeds. Um, obviously, you know, Coastal's having a great year. They're hitting the cover off the ball. Troy's having a great year. Um, you know, and, and obviously Texas State is playing great right now. So, you know, you got those four teams sitting in a really good spot. And then you got Old Dominion, you got Georgia Southern, you got Louisiana that certainly can make a run in our tournament. So I think the baseball is really exciting. I would, I would say that we anticipated it, we expected it, um, and, and certainly we invest in a way that we have high expectations for that sport, just like we do in football. Not, not surprised by it, but certainly excited for it, and, and certainly think uh, uh, Montgomery's going to be a really exciting time. Be a- Chatting with the commissioner of the Sun Belt Conference, Commissioner Keith Gill. Now, Commissioner, let, let's talk about just the overall you know state of the conference. Football had a strong year last year with the additions, and then obviously baseball and softball being as strong as ever. In your opinion, where would you say is the overall state of the Sun Belt? You know, I think the Sun Belt's in a really good spot. You know, I mean, I don't think we here where we should be resting at our. I think our best days are ahead. But if you look at this conference from a standpoint of, you know, we had a great football season last year with, you know, we ended up having, you know, having teams beat Virginia Tech, beat Notre Dame, beat Texas A&M, beat Nebraska. Um, and then just had a great, you know, just overall kind of record in that regard and, and ended up being in seven bowl games and had nine teams with more than six wins. Um, or that's, that's pretty outstanding. Our basketball was great, you know. Teams in the top 100 of the RPI on the men's side. And then obviously, you know, JMU had a really nice run in our tournament and then certainly played a, a really tough Ohio State should have had two teams in the NCAA tournament in volleyball since our best year in a long time. And so, and then obviously you look at baseball and softball doing really well. Golf, we've got two teams in the NCAA tournament in men's golf. So, I mean, I, I think the Sun Belt is in a really good spot. Good things are happening for us competitively. 
Uh, feel really good about the four new additions along with the 10 schools um, that remain from the other iteration of the conference. And, but I do think our best years are ahead. So as good as things are now, um, it's... Now, co- Commissioner, my, my final question is, I learned last night that the Sun Belt has changed its partnership for its official apparel provider. Uh, talk, talk about the new relationship with Adidas and, and how that's worked out so far for the conference. Yeah, you know, it's been great. You know, we love being with uh, great apparel. Um, um, you know, kind of the, the dry kind of fit, the dry wicking that you need when it's um, really hot out or, or if you you know, trying to block the rain and the wind and the cold. So we, we are really excited about that partnership with Adidas. They've been great, great apparel, great partners with us for years to come. The commissioner of the Sunbelt Conference, Keith Gill, joining us here on Crunch Time. Commissioner, really appreciate your time. Uh, hopefully we will, uh, we will get to see you down here in Lafayette for the championship game tomorrow. And uh, I- enjoy your weekend and the rest of the Sunbelt athletic season. Sounds good. Thanks so much. Thanks for having me. I appreciate it. And there he goes, the commissioner of the Sunbelt Conference, Keith Gill, joining us here on Crunch Time. Once again, James, bottom of the third. Nobody out. Still 0-0. Marshall up at the plate. They've got a runner on first. Look, you know, talking about this matchup, we we went in depth a little bit ago about Louisiana-Texas State. Look, when when you look at these two teams, hypothetically saying that Louisiana defeats Texas State tonight and plays for a Sunbelt Championship tomorrow, Olivia Lackey is a pitcher for South Alabama that I really don't want to face for the Cajuns. But at the same time, if you have to face Marshall, you have a dangerous bat in Autumn Owen. So no matter where you slice it, the the Jags or the Herd have a dangerous piece that could really hurt you if you let it. Right. I mean, both teams have really good players on both sides. But that's also, you got to remember... There's a reason why Marshall's the number two seed and then South Al was the number three seed. So no matter how you slice it, you're going to have somebody that's it's going to be a challenge. But that's what happens when you play in a championship game, hypothetically. Correct. And, you know, you, you talk about Autumn Owen. She won the Sunbelt Triple Crown this year. A lot of people argued that she should have been named Sunbelt Conference Player of the Year. Uh, Autumn Owen hit 449 on the season with 10 doubles, 19 home runs, and 70 RBIs. Uh, so she is a very dangerous hitter. Um, so it, it'll be interesting to see not only how this game plays out, but how tonight's game between Louisiana and Texas State plays out as well uh, with, with a spot in the Sun Belt Championship on the line. Because, look, when, when you look at the Cajuns and, and their resume, top 10 RPI, 11th overall strength of schedule, number three non-conference strength of schedule, they're in. The question for the Cajuns now is, are they going to host or not? That's the only thing they're really still fighting for, and obviously the, the right to be called the Sunbelt Conference champs. But in terms of a regional, they're making one. The seed is what's still up in the air. Teams like Marshall and South Alabama and Texas State, they need this championship to make the NCAA tournament. So you're going to have a very hungry opponent if you're the Cajuns, 
tomorrow afternoon to try to beat you because they know that you don't need the championship to be in the NCAA tournament. So I think that's going to play a factor in this weekend, but I still think that the conference championship is the Cajuns to lose. Yeah, I agree. It just it kind of comes down to a classic who wants them more, who's more hungry, because UL's already kind of good. It's almost like they ate, they ate a snack earlier. They're kind of good for right now, but the other teams, it's almost like they haven't eaten in days. Yeah, that, that, that's exactly right. Uh, good analogy, by the way. Uh, 446. We'll take a time out here on Crush Time when we return. We'll talk NBA playoffs. Boston Celtics force a game seven. Jason Tatum only scores three points in the first three quarters. How the hell did he end up with 19? We'll talk about that next. This is Crunch Time on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. The LSU Tigers look to get back on track in SEC action tonight when they open up a three-game set against Mississippi State. Pre-game begins at 7, first pitch is set for 7.30, and it can all be heard right here on the game. Meanwhile, the Houston Astros look to keep building momentum on the south side of Chicago when they open up a series tonight against the White Sox. Pre-game begins at 6.40, first pitch is set for 7.10, and that action can be heard on our sister station, News Talk 98.5 FM, the talk of Acadiana. You're listening to the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. Slings it far side. Stingley steps inside the receiver and picks it off. Southwest Louisiana's sports station. A shot to left field. Going back on it's Gordon. He'll look up. It's a goner. Your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. Welcome back to Crunch Time, wrapping up our number one here in the EFCO Development Studios in Upper Lafayette. EFCO Development is a civil construction company that specializes in multifamily construction. Now, I'm here in the EFCO Development Studios, but Matt is at Lampsa Park helping cover the Sunbelt Conference softball tournament. As right now, it's going to be Marshall and South Owl right now, but later tonight... The Louisiana Raging Cajuns are going to be taking on Texas State. And speaking of those Cajuns, it's our poll question of the day. Don't forget to vote and give your thoughts in the comments on both Twitter and Facebook. Do you believe the Louisiana Raging Cajuns softball team will be hosting a regional? Yes or no? Simple as that. We're going to talk more about that later on in the show in hour number two. But right now, the voting is looking at yes, 68%, while the other 32% are saying no. Now, looking at the NBA playoffs last night, Matt, we talked about it earlier. Boston Celtics, they're going back to the garden after taking down the 76ers last night. Jason Tatum. Whoa. Don't you sound happy. Well, man, I mean, as slow as Jason Tatum played offensively, missing his first 10 shots and after three quarters going one for 13. He's playing really well in the defensive end, but he just couldn't get a shot to go down in that first half. But it was that fourth quarter where he made a couple of free throws early on in the fourth quarter, but he turned it up the last four minutes as he made four three-pointers, stepping back a couple of times, putting in Tyrese Maxey and Joel Embiid's face. It was, it was phenomenal to me because as poor as he played, offensively that was the team still stayed ahead throughout the game really jumped on them early on as they were up like 15 to 3 and they they were taking it throughout the game it was more back and forth and eventually Embiid and the Sixers 
took the lead late, but it's not like it was a big insurmountable lead. It was at one point it was 83-81 in the fourth quarter before Jason Tatum got it turned off. Yeah, you know, I watched most of the game because when they started at 6.30 with the delays and everything, Troy and Texas State were still playing. So I was just sitting here kind of waiting for the Cajuns game. So I, I pulled it up on my laptop and I was watching some of the game. And I was like, man, Jason Tatum, like you said, he played well defensively, but he was really struggling on the offensive end. And then in the fourth quarter, like you said, four three-pointers. He had nine rebounds, six assists. He finished with 19 points. Marcus Smart with 22. Jalen Brown with 17. But the thing that jumped out to me, James, is the fact that Boston out-rebounded Philly 50-38. to Yeah, that was a that was a big thing because they had made the switch to make Al instead of the center. He became the four, and then you brought in Rob to be the starting five, which you had seen a lot of success from that beforehand in previous seasons yeah. and even earlier last season. So... But the big thing to me was, if you had watched the final three, four minutes of that game, Joel Embiid did not touch that ball. No, he didn't. And that's no, what he didn't. And that's what led to the Sixers only scoring 13 points. Jason yeah. Tatum outscored the Sixers by himself which was, in the fourth which quarter. Is, which is so crazy to say out loud. That's just that's just absolutely insane. But now, James, d d does it feel like? Momentum is solely on the side of the Boston Celtics now that it's a new series, a, a winner-take-all in the Garden? I don't know if it's necessarily momentum. Like You'd probably put it on the Celtics' side, but I look at more of the pressure at this point. You've seen it in Doc Rivers' coaching history. You've seen it with James Harden. You've seen it with the 76ers as a whole as they haven't made it to the final since 2001. I mean, this team, this franchise, these players, this coach – You've seen it. They struggle. They they do well yeah, they early do. on in series. But to close a series and have it go this far, they really struggle. Doc Rivers has given up the most 3-1 to leads in NBA history. James Harden, you see him in game six, game sevens of history. He doesn't show up late in series. The Sixers team, they really struggle. You've seen it. That's why they can't get past the second round. At this point, so, and, and not to mention that, but... Do you really think the Sixers would win three games in the Garden? No. In the same series? No. Like, the best chance they had was winning last night. And they had an opportunity to. They but did. then Jason Tatum said, I don't care that I'm one for 13. I'm going to knock down these shots until I make until I see one of these go in. And he did, and he went back to back to back to back with them. Yeah, it was it was a wild fourth quarter from Jason Tatum. And then in the other game... <laughs> the Denver Nuggets, man. Oh, it was it was over I, from the jump. I I just like again, it, it was another thing where as I was covering the Cajuns game, I, I had Denver and Phoenix kind of pulled up in the corner of my computer, just keeping an eye on it, you know. And, and I'm, I'm looking at the scoreboard, which was small because I had it I had it in a small portion of my screen, and I was like, does that say that they're up twenty? And so I full screened it, and I was like, yep, okay, so it's 48-28. And then it became they were up by 30. And then it became they were up by 35. And I was like, okay, they're not playing around tonight. They no. won't be done. No, they, they said we are not messing with a game seven like the Sixers are. We're, getting, we're packing our bags and waiting for the Western Conference Finals. And that's going to be huge for a guy like Jamal Murray, who was playing sick last night. They now won't play until Tuesday. 
Having that weekend off is going to be critical for Denver, depending on who they play out of Golden State or L.A., because that's a series that I think will go seven. Right. I, with Golden State and the Lakers, I think Golden State wins tonight. and Yeah. And it's going to make things really interesting for game seven. I, I think that or series They goes- win game six, and it, it'll make things interesting for game seven. Yeah, I, d- I definitely think that series goes seven games. And then, of course, Miami and, and New York tonight. How does, does does Miami finally – do they pull a, a Denver Nuggets and say, no, we're done with this tonight? Or will that one go to game seven as well? We'll take a timeout. Hour number one in the books will return. Hour number two, preview your college baseball matchups for the weekend. Also, we'll talk about McNeese in the Southland Softball Championship. All that and more right here on the game. You're clocked out. We're locked in. You're listening to Crunch Time with Miguez and Mesh here on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Welcome in. Hour number two of Crunch Time right here on the game, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Matt Miguez here at Lampson Park for the Sunbelt Softball Championship. And James Mesh back in the air-conditioned. FCO Development Studios in Upper Lafayette. FCO Development is a civil construction company that specializes in new multifamily construction. James, how are you hanging in there, bud? Oh, I'm absolutely chilling. I mean, I, I didn't want to make things easy for myself since I'm wearing pants and I'm wearing a long sleeve today, but, I mean, you switched out to your shorts. Oh, so I, I actually, I'm, I'm going to tell a funny story about that real quick. So I came in in the mindset of, look, you know, I'm going to be out. I'm going to be representing the station. I've got to look professional. So, sure, you know, sure. I, I'd put on, I'd put on the ba- the black slacks, mm-hmm. threw on my red polo, you know, whatever. I'm literally sitting in the turning lane for Bertrand and Congress right by Cajun Field. And I, I'm texting the, the, the group chat while I'm sitting at this red light talking about how hot it is, talking about how, you know, I'm a rather large dude wearing pants in May and it's not comfortable. And RP3 goes, dude, why didn't you wear shorts? And I said, I didn't know I could. And I said, that's your own fault. But luckily for me, I live close enough that I just said, you know what? Let me turn around real quick. And I ran back home, threw on some nice little black golf shorts. And I'm telling you, it was the right move. I'm feeling all, it's, it's still warm, but it is a lot better than it would be if I was in pants. Let me tell you. Oh, I bet so. So let, let's talk our, you know, in hour number one, we recapped the Cajuns game last night. We looked ahead to the matchup this evening, and then we had a conversation with the commissioner of the conference, Keith Gill. Score update here at Lampson. Marshall is leading South Alabama 2 to nothing in the top of the fourth. Autumn Owen got RBI number 71 in the bottom of the third. Three hits, scored two runs, and again, 2 to nothing here in the top of the fourth between the Herd and the Jags. Staying on the topic of college softball, how about an in-state matchup for the Southland Conference title tomorrow? McNeese Southeastern at noon at Cowgirl Diamond. James McNeese hasn't lost a game yet in the Southland Conference tournament. So what's going to be interesting here is it's – with the Southland Conference Tournament being double elimination, McNeese would have to lose twice in order for 
Southeastern to win the title. Right, and I, I see McNeese losing a game at some point soon, but I don't think they lose twice. Yeah, I, I definitely don't think they lose twice. South Alabama, I mean, uh, Southeastern could get them in the first game, but they will not get them in the second game. I, I, think, I think McNeese lifts the Southland Conference championship trophy. And the reason that it is now very loud at Lampson Park, uh, with one swing of the bat, James, this ball game between South Alabama and Marshall is tied. A two-run homer by Gabby Stagner has tied the game at two apiece. This game is going to get incredibly more interesting here as the innings wind down. Again, a spot in the Sunbelt Championship on the line. But let's go to baseball now, the other side of the diamond. Let's start with LSU, a three-game set with Mississippi State this weekend. We talked yesterday about how Mississippi State's not quite the baseball team that they've been in years past, just having won a national championship in 2020. They're 6-18 and in the, in the SEC. James, I think this is a good opportunity for LSU to tune some things up, you know, figure out where they still have holes as the SEC tournament is just two weeks away. Right, this is – I don't want to say Mississippi State's like a terrible baseball team, but I mean – Oh, no. This is this is the perfect opportunity to tune yourself back up before you play in the SEC tournament because you got this three-game stand with Mississippi State. You got a game versus Big Nice next Tuesday – and then you have a weekend series versus Georgia, and then boom, you're in. Correct. You're in conference play. You're in conference tournament play. So, over these last seven games, you got to get together after, especially after you lost your first series of the season to Auburn. Yeah, that that was a that was a brutal series last weekend. But I think in long term, I think that series is actually going to be a blessing in disguise for LSU. It was a wake up call. Um, because I'm, I'm not saying that LSU was cocky or, or arrogant or anything like that, but but I think it was a good eye-opener that, look, man, we are vulnerable. Right. We can get beat. Um, and, was, and so I, I think long-term that's going to pay dividends for them. It was, it was absolutely perfect as an eye-opener, a reality set, bring you back down to earth because you were the number one team in the country for the whole season. Now you lose your first series – in SEC play and in, and in general, and now you're number two. So it's like, look, you're not invincible. You're definitely vulnerable. You could very easily lose, especially now that you see that, look, this pitching can cost you a game, can cost you a series, and cost you your season. Yeah, you know, it's going to be interesting to see how that series plays out. They will start that series tonight, 7.30 first pitch from Alex Box Stadium. 6 o'clock tomorrow night. On, tonight's on the SEC Network. Tomorrow night's on SEC Network Plus. And then Sunday at 1 o'clock right here on the SEC Network Plus. But you can listen to all three games right here on the game with the LSU Radio Network. The voice of the Tigers, Chris Blair, will be on our airwaves tonight beginning at 7 o'clock. The Cajuns now a tough tough three-game series against Texas State here at home. We'll talk about that game here in a moment, but first let's go to the game hotline. T, what's going on, man? How are you? All right, Mr. Madden, yourself? Oh, I'm doing well, sir. What you got? Well, uh, LSU baseball. Mm -hmm. uh, a couple of years ago, 
Ben Love, I would call a show, and, and we go back and forth about why are so many LSU players getting hurt in every sport? Don't understand it. You have a you have a kind of a clue? Uh, no, not really. Um, I mean, I, I asked the same question about the New Orleans Saints. I mean, two years ago, they, they set the record for the most – different starters in NFL history and then this past year they were the fourth most injured team so all in I, Louisiana now I, I don't know if it's just a stretch of Louisiana voodoo that that is striking both LSU and the Saints I'm not really sure um, but but I, I I do see your point they are struggling with some injuries especially to their pitching staff with guys like Jared, Garrett Edwards and Chase Shores both being out for the year with elbow injuries right and Grant um, Taylor, right? Yeah, Grant Taylor as well, yeah. Yeah. Well, uh, do you think we can at least win the series? Against Mississippi State, yeah. Yeah, I, I do because, right. you know, you, you're probably going to win tonight with Paul Skeens because we, we've talked about it all week. You know what you're going to get out of Paul Skeens. You're going to get six, seven innings. He's going to throw anywhere from 10 to 13 strikeouts, and he's going to hold the opposition to, at minimum, a run maybe two. Um, and so if your offense absolutely just goes cold, yeah, I mean, I, I think you've got a good opportunity to, to win tonight, and then that's going to carry you into tomorrow, hopefully get a good performance out of Ty Floyd, uh, who I, I think only had a bad performance against Auburn because of the delay. You know, if you look at the first three innings that he pitched, he had eight strikeouts in those three innings, and then they, no go, through an hour, they go through an hour and a half delay, and he just wasn't the same pitcher after that. Um, so yeah, no I think doubt. you could win. I think you I could agree. win the first two, and then game three is just kind of up in the air. I got you. Well, look, guys, y'all enjoy y'all weekend, and uh, go Tigers. T, appreciate you as always, man. Thanks for the call. If you want to get in on the show, once again, three three seven seven zero six zero one 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 is the number to call for the game hotline. But James, three games set for the Cajuns with Texas State. The Cajuns are in a a, a nice little predicament here with six games left to go. You're, you're still fighting for a top six spot. You're still fighting for that first round bye in the Sunbelt Conference Tournament. But Texas State's going to come in here with a lot of offense and some good pitching with Levi Wells. You know, what, what are you expecting out of this series between the Cajuns and the Bobcats? I mean, with this series, this is must win in my eyes. I think you got you have to take it one game at a time, like like we've talked about before. You got to absolutely win tonight, and then I say you got to come in Saturday. You got to win again, and I would believe you got to win Sunday as well. But I think that one's also kind of up in the air, like you would say with LSU and Mississippi State. Yeah, you know it's going to be hard to to figure out the the pitching rotation because again, I, I believe that the Cajuns are going to continue with the, the Johnny Holstein pitching. approach. Yeah, the, the the pitching by committee. Um, and then th th there's an emotional factor to, to this weekend. Right. Uh, Mother's Day on Sunday. So that one's going to be really interesting. You're going to have the mothers toss to their boys right before yep. the game. Usual and tradition. Then, and then you're going to have graduation on the field tomorrow. Right. Before the game tomorrow night. Um, so a lot of emotions this weekend. Going to have to be able to keep it in check if you're the Cajuns. Um, and, and, again, like you said, just take it one game at a time. Let your offense do what it's done all season. Get some consistent pitching. 
and then good things are going to happen. Uh, but, but the Cajuns can't have what they've had over the last couple of games where only one side shows up. Because, I mean, you go back to that Louisiana Tech game the other night, the game that they lost 12-8. to eight. Your offense got 15 base hits. You scored eight runs. In baseball, if you score eight runs, you should win the game. So you've got to be able to have nights where your pitching can show up with your hitting. Because, and, and there have been some nights where the pitching has been good enough to win and your offense has failed you. Uh, so, so the Cajuns have to find a way to get more consistent on both sides and get both of those aspects going at the same time. Uh, but that game tonight at ML Teagmore Field set for 7 o'clock, 6 o'clock tonight, 4 o'clock tomorrow, and then 1 o'clock on Mother's Day between the Cajuns and the Bobcats. The Houston Astros will begin a three-game series on the south side of Chicago tonight when they play the 13-26 and 26 Chicago White Sox. 7-10, 6-40 pregame on Newstalk 98.5. The Louisiana product, J.P. France, will be on the bump for the Astros. He's winless, decisionless so far on the season with five innings pitched, three hits. He struck out five, and Michael Kopech will go for the White Sox, one and three on the season with a 5.97 ERA. He's given up 37 hits and 12 home runs so far on the season. Jordan Alvarez could have a field day tonight, James. Yeah, and... Oh yeah, and I'd absolutely love it because I, I want to. I need to see the Astros start getting a little bit back on track a little bit. Yeah, you know they're 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 up and down nineteen and eighteen so far on the season. They did pick up some momentum winning that series against the Angels on the road, but now you're, you're going to play a lesser opponent. And like Tony Robichaux always said, Jay Walker said it on these airwaves yesterday. Only a fool underestimates his opponent. Yeah, you cannot um, ab- you cannot do that, and especially with how you played last weekend. Against the yeah, Mariners. Absolutely. That was a, uh, a tough series to watch if you're a Houston Astros fan. But again, 13-26 and 26 White Sox against the Houston Astros for a three-game series before the Astros return home next week. Speaking of the Astros, good news for their franchise second baseman. Jose Altuve will begin a rehab assignment tonight with AAA Sugarland. Uh, so, James, a big step in the right direction there to get – the mighty mouse back on the field. Right, absolutely. And then as of today, also kind of looking at the status being put on the 10-day IL. Yeah, so that that's that's very encouraging. I mean, 10-day IL, that means he could be back next week. So uh, Jose on the 10-day IL. McCullers and Brantley are on 15 and 10. And then yeah. Chaz, he's kind of been dealing with injuries, but he is currently day-to-day when it comes to the injury report. Yeah, once the Astros could get healthy, I mean, things could be very entertaining. Your lineup for the Astros tonight, Dubon, Bregman, Alvarez, Tucker, Abreu, Pena, Jolks, Myers, Maldonado, and then once again, J.P. France on the mound for Space City. We'll take a timeout here, 5-16. When we return, we'll talk the NHL playoffs. The Dallas Stars picking up a big Game 6 win last night, or Game 5 win last night to make it a 3-2 series. We'll talk about that. We'll also look at the other matchups and the games going down tonight in the NHL right here on The Game. This is Crunch Time on The Game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. James, are you tired of your boring man cave? Absolutely. Because if you are... 
the game, 103.7 Lafayette on 1041 Lake Charles, wants to hook you up with the ultimate man cave makeover built by Lafayette Marble and Granite. Sign up today in the clubhouse at 1037thegame.com or 1041thegame.com for a chance to win a brand new recliner from Borderlands Furniture, flat screen TV from AVI, and more. It's the game's ultimate man cave makeover powered by Lafayette Marble and Granite and Southwest Louisiana Sports Station. Let your voice be heard. Hello. Give us a call on the hotline at 337-706-0111 and speak your mind. Yellow. This is the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Welcome back. 520 Matt Guest, James Mesh. Crunch time live from Lampson Park for the Sunbelt Softball Championship. Still 2-2 here. Top of the fifth between Marshall and South Alabama. James, we, we let's talk about the NHL playoffs. And I know you're just the world's biggest hockey fan. So I just I know that you have tons of insight to, to provide to this conversation. Yes. <laughs> Good answer. Uh, so let's start with Carolina and New Jersey. A 3-2 win in overtime for the Carolina Hurricanes. They win the series 4-1 to and will advance to the Eastern Conference Finals. And then in the Western Conference game last night, Dallas a 5-2 winner over Seattle. A three-point, two-goal, one-assist night from Rupe Hintz and a three-assist night from Jason Robertson would be a huge difference maker for the Stars. They now have a 3-2 lead in that series. And then looking over at tonight's games, the Florida Panthers and the Montreal, the Toronto Maple Leafs. Florida up three to one in that series, and this is a series that I kind of saw coming. Uh, Toronto is very well known for choking in the playoffs, and uh, they they have done it yet again, down three one in this series. And then the night game, Edmonton and Vegas, series tied two games apiece. Edmonton the minus one thirty five favorite in that one but James you know one thing that we didn't talk about a second ago when we discussed the New Orleans Saints rookie minicamps this weekend what are your expectations out out of minicamp what are you watching who are you looking out for you know things like that I mean it's kind of tough to really gauge on guys on the offense and defensive line like Salvador or Saldaveri and Brian Brissy and Isaiah Foskey. It's kind of hard to gauge what they can do for you because I mean they'll just be hitting dummies when it comes to like pass rushing and trying to get off the block to try and tackle the runner. As I throw up air quotes, but it's you'd have to look at more of the wide receivers than anything else and see how Jake Hayner is and Et Perry is because especially with the wide receivers because. Really, it's kind of tough to see how everything is and kind of get a gauge until you actually start doing stuff with training camp and do stuff with the veterans when you're actually playing 7-on-7 and 11-on-11 football. Because outside of that, you're just playing in shorts. I mean, I could do that right now. Yeah, no, that's true. And, and, you know, that's kind of going to be the thing is, you know, you're going to see a lot of individual drills. You're going to see a lot of 7-on-7 like you mentioned. So it's going to be hard to get a true gauge but I think you could see moments where your skill players, you know, your, your Kendra Miller, your A.T. Perrys, uh, some of your undrafted free agents could really find an opportunity to show what they could do and maybe carve out a role for themselves 
on, on the final roster for the preseason, which is at 75 players? About so. It, at this point, kind of with rookie minicamp, I'd look more at, which it's, it's going to be hard for us to do this, but for the players, how well are you learning the playbook? Yeah. That's really what it comes down to because you can show your athleticism all you want, but you're not going to be able to get on the field if you don't know what you're doing. If For you sure. don't know what your what route you're supposed to be running, what your blocking assignment is, or if you're Jay Kaner and the quarterbacks, what everyone's supposed to be doing and what your read progression is, or on defense, what play you're supposed to be doing, what coverage you're supposed to be in. If you don't know what you're doing, you're not going to be able to see the field. It doesn't matter how athletic you are. Earlier we talked about Bryce Young and the impact that he could have in Carolina and he had his first practice today with the Carolina Panthers at rookie minicamp. And according to Frank Reich, he's in complete control. He said he did everything right, the little throws in the flat, the little bubble screen that people normally overthrow. He threw it with accuracy, saw it well, and knew where his guys were supposed to be. So again, it's hard to make a judgment off of rookie minicamp. It's kind of like making a judgment off of a spring game. But it seems like Bryce Young looked good in day one. Right. And to me, it's more of a you could lose more than you could gain when it comes to this type of stuff. Because it's if if you're making these good routine throws thrown into the flat with good accuracy, not overthrowing or underthrowing on these short and intermediate routes, I don't want to say you expect it, but you kind of expect it. Right. But if you're overthrowing or you're way behind on a throw or you're throwing way too far ahead, then you're going to lose points. You're going to lose points when it comes to the coaching staff and they're trusting you because if you can't hit these routine throws and hit the easy ones before we even start playing with your other teammates, well, then that's going to put you behind on the eight ball. Correct. Quick update on the PGA Tour, the AT&T Byron Nelson going on right now, which, by the way, uh, if you go to our YouTube channel at The Game Louisiana, you can check out my preview of this tournament under the over par playlist. Uh, Scotty Scheffler in the lead as it stands now. Might at 14 under par. He had a 7 under day today to take the lead. Palmer and Hughes tied at 13 under right behind him. Uh, $9.5 million on the line, James. And then more importantly than that, this is a great tune-up opportunity before one of the four majors next week with the PGA Championship at Oak Hill. 5.26 now on your Friday Fun Show. Matt Miguez live at Lampson Park. Again, the game hotline is 337-706-0111. Corey Diaz is going to join me live here in just a couple of minutes. But before we do that, James, let's... We didn't really in-depthly talk about the NBA or tonight's NBA games, should I say. Heat and Knicks, game six tonight. The Knicks hoping to force a, a game seven. Could playoff Jimmy say not so fast and in the series for Miami tonight? I absolutely believe so because even though he had a nice game, he got plenty of assists, he got plenty of dimes there, he still scored a solid amount of points. He didn't play with the aggression that you usually see out of playoff Jimmy. He didn't take as many shots. He became a lot more passive when it came to last game, and ultimately that was part of the reason why, in my eyes, the Knicks won, is not to mention Jalen Brunson absolutely going off for the Knicks, but yeah. I don't believe in this New York squad enough for them to force it to a Game 7. I think 
Miami in Miami is going to finish off the series tonight and be waiting for Boston on Mother's Day. And then the doozy, the absolute doozy of a game tonight. Oh, Lord. Golden State and the Lakers, game six in L.A. Look, you know, normally I say experience prevails, but both teams have a hell of a lot of experience. Right. So, uh, I mean, w w what gives tonight? You kind of have to throw that logic out the window. Right, right. But it's weird because both teams are they've they're they've been kind of inconsistent this whole season. That's why you have seen them become just forty three and forty four win teams as opposed to being fifty plus or sixty plus win teams. But with the with these two teams, I look at it as especially I don't you're a big TikTok guy I know, but and you've seen the, this little corgi right? She predicts yeah. the little games where she hits the yeah. ball into the team's corresponding trash can and. So yeah, far, yeah. she's been, she's hit every game so far, if I'm not mistaken. She had the Lakers winning game one, Warriors getting game two, then Lakers going up three to one, and then she had the Warriors winning the last three games. Oh wow! Yeah, and look, and I it's mean, it's so far it's playing into that. Everybody knows how I feel about LeBron, so. I'm cheering for the Warriors. There's, right. there's no doubt about that. And it feels um, like a game six clay is supposed to be coming out tonight. Yeah, that would that would be definitely needed uh, for, for Golden State. I look I look for Curry to have a good, you know, 25, 30 point night. More um, more efficient from that. Yeah. Because yeah. Curry's been a little inconsistent. It hasn't been as efficient, especially from the three point line. Yeah. So for sure. if he does that, I believe. Another thing is, Jordan Poole has just kind of been almost irrelevant at times. He's really struggled these playoffs. Draymond's taken up a lot more of the scoring opportunities. It's been really interesting to see out of him because you're so used to him kind of throwing up those stats of 5-5-5, five, five, and five, but he plays really well in conducting the offense and being an anchor for the defense to where you don't have to really worry about that. But Gary Payton the second, that's a guy that I really look at coming into this series to try and force a game seven for the Warriors. You know who my X Factor is tonight? Who you got? Austin Reeves. I knew you were going to say Austin Reeves. Austin Reeves. What what Austin Reeves shows up tonight? Is it the guy that's efficient, knocks down six threes, and has 20-something points? Or is it the, the rookie that kind of just piddles around and tries to find his role? Because if it's if it's the latter, if he plays like a rookie tonight, I think the Warriors force a game seven. But if he's efficient and scoring, contributing, you know, 20, 25 points, I think that could be the difference maker for the Lakers. Right, right. So very interested to see how that game's going to play out. You're going to have to stay up late to watch it. Uh, Nine o'clock tip-off in that game being that they're on the West Coast. 531 here. We're going to take a timeout. Corey Diaz of the Daily Advertiser will join me next live here at Lampson Park. We'll talk about the Cajuns road thus far, what they have ahead of them. And plus, we'll get his preview on Cajuns baseball tonight, right here on The Game. A recent survey discovered that game listeners prefer our station over watching a mandated webinar at work. Well, thank you, everyone, for coming to this exciting meeting today to discuss... Take that, productivity in the workplace. This is The Game, 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. 536 
on your Friday. Welcome back to Crunch Time live from Lampson Park. Matt and Miguez here. James Mesh back inside the Evco Development Studios in Upper Lafayette. James, I know we've been making this joke a lot, but my computer says that it's 83 out here. And, and you're, you're probably sitting in, what, 68? I would hope it's 68. I mean, m much better than 83 or what feels like 100. But anyways, uh, Corey Diaz for the Daily Advertiser. He, he really just covers it all uh, joining us here at Lampson Park. Corey, what's going on, my man? How are you? It's a, it's a good start because the question I had for you, Miguez, was who did you tick off in the athletic department to where you're just over here absolutely searing in the sun? Uh, it, it, this is like surface of the sun level hot over here. You see, I actually didn't tick off anybody. I'm actually well-liked in the Louisiana Athletic Department. <laughs> or so you thought. Well, maybe. <laughs> but, yeah, you know, the, the, the radio booths were obviously taken, and so I just wanted to do my show here. It didn't really matter where they put me. Talk about your all-time backfires. Um. Well, yesterday it wasn't bad because it was cloudy. You got rained on. I mean, actually, I actually didn't. No, we got rained on the other side of the stadium. Um, I will say that. It, it, it rained, but it never got onto me. Uh, <laughs> but, no, t today there's no clouds, and oh, that sun has been beaten down for the last hour and a half. Day for, beautiful day for softball. This is a tremendous game that we're watching right now. Marshall, South Alabama tied up 2-2. Two to two. Uh, bottom of the fifth, I do believe. Uh, they are the the umps are currently reviewing a, a call safe at first, which I think Mika, as you and I agree that she was out. Uh, they upheld just upheld the call, um, and then obviously tonight we've got the Raging Cajuns and um, and Texas State playing in the nightcap. Yeah, you know, let's talk about that matchup, Louisiana Texas State. The Cajuns are going to face one amazing pitcher in, in Jessica Mullins. You know. She absolutely dazzled last yeah, night. She was great. Troy, Troy could not figure her out. Uh, she did a great job of mixing her pitches. Um, and, you know, Jerry kind of talked a little bit about her last night in postgame, and I think that's what the lineup's going to have to do tonight. They're going to have to – she's got three pitches. Uh, they're going to have to figure it out. Um, you know, she, and like I said, she does a great job of mixing them in with, with each batter at each at bat. So uh, that's why she was so effective – uh, getting through Troy's lineup, especially the second time, is that I think she she gave them different looks their second at bat, um, and, and so so UL is going to have to try to figure her out tonight. Yeah, you know that that was kind of going to be my question is is how do the Cajuns figure her out in in your obviously it's going to take maybe one full time through the lineup, but you know what does she do so well that causes other teams fits? Yeah, you know, I'm curious what Glasgow will have uh, the ladies do tonight. Will they be patient in their first at bat? Will they want to see, you know, a couple of pitches before they start swinging? Or, or will, you know, will they get the green light? You know, if, if you see one you like, just go ahead and swing. So I'm curious to see how they will, uh, you know, how they will attack uh, Mullins tonight. Um, but, yeah, you know, the part of the deal is, is um, you know, when you've got – when you've got a pitcher that can mix them in like that, um, you know, generally, you know, I, I grew up playing baseball myself, and, and you know, you, you do kind of have to be a little patient early on in the game. I, I think you kind of have to let her maybe make a mistake early as opposed to maybe try to uh, e evoke a mistake uh, because if she pitches the way she pitched last night against Troy, tonight's game will be really good, and I think it will be a low-scoring game. And then as you can hear, a, a fired-up South Alabama crowd, Still 2-2 through five complete innings. Um, you know, 
if hypothetically the Cajuns do take down Texas State tonight, they will be playing the winner of this matchup tomorrow afternoon. What do you like about both of these teams and which one would be a better matchup for the Cajuns? That's a good question. Uh, I, you know, I think South Alabama, um, they appear to be a little bit more, and for the record, let me say this is the first time I've seen both of them play in person this year. Um, they, they look to be a little more of a complete team. Um, you know, they both teams have had a couple of errors in the field this game. Um, but South Alabama didn't let their defensive miscues lead to runs. Uh, Marshall has this game. Um, and so I think if Marshall pulls this out, I think UL – they're probably hoping Marshall gets through because I think there's there's some lapses defensively that they can probably capitalize on because you know obviously their their lineup is probably the best in the Sun Belt um, and so they and just like we saw last night they put the ball in play. ULM, uh, you got to give them credit. You know I thought they played a really good game last night. It's just that UL just hit the ball so damn hard <laughs> that. Uh, you know, there were a couple. There were a couple of errors that they made in the field where the ball was hit to them. They just couldn't handle it. Uh, and so, and I, I was on Schultz's show earlier this afternoon, and I said, you know, Sophie Piscos, holy smokes, uh, she went over three last night. But I don't think anyone hit the ball harder than she did. She just no. hit them right at I ULM defenders. Right. Yeah. Yeah. She she's been a, a welcome. Well, not really a welcome sight. You you know what what she's going to deliver. But, but her, the, the last couple of weeks, has been really big for, for Jerry Glasgow. And I like what they did last night, starting Piscos at third base so that you could have Piscos, Allred, and Victoria Valdez all in the lineup. I thought that was a strong move by Jerry Glasgow. Yeah, yeah. I think, um, you know, I think he wanted a little more power, you know, yep. and Valdez obviously can supply that, uh, you know, when she plays uh, catcher along with, you know, Pisco's playing third. Um, you know, when I visited with him, you know, before the season had started, you know, he said we can interchange both of them. You know, Valdez can play third, uh, and we can have Pisco's behind the plate, uh, and we can go vice versa. And it just it allows us to have another power bat in the lineup. Um, you know, and all reds. You know, the last what month, month and a half or so, has really caught fire. Uh, she's she's really sort of come into her own, obviously for the right time uh, for the Raging Cajuns and, and getting to postseason play. And uh, you know, now in a, in a time of year where obviously they're not sweating getting into the NCAA tournament, right? Um, but you might be sweating whether or not you'll have hosting duties. Uh, you know, that first weekend of the tournament, uh, they're probably going to have to win out. I would, in my opinion, uh, in, in order to get a regional host, can't you certainly can't lose tonight. You can't lose to Texas State tonight. Uh, South Alabama, if they get through tonight or gets through today, uh, I think UL might could have a little bit of wiggle room to, to lose to them in a championship game. Um, and for South Alabama, too, uh, you know, the, the selection committee really loves – 40 win teams if they win today it'll be their 40th win of the year that that's a big number not only for them but also for ul if they end up winning today and they they, they meet in the championship game now one one thing and look uh, let me preface this by saying i don't wish that the cajuns lose i would like <laughs> to see the cajuns host the regional but i've heard multiple people Whoa. say that the cajuns might be better off being a two seed somewhere 
The reason being, if you host a regional as Louisiana, realistically, you're probably going to be 14, 15, 16, which means that you're going to have a very difficult Super Regional draw. Now, this team has struggled to even make it out of the regional the last couple of years. So obviously, the goal is to just win the regional first. But I, I just I feel like it would it would almost benefit the Cajuns to be a two seed in a winnable regional, and then be paired up with a more winnable super. <laughs> I, I know that's uh, a lot. But yeah, no, I, I you know I'll. Matty, I'm, I'm going to respectfully disagree. Uh, and, and the only reason is because I, I was I was asked this this morning by RP3. And, look, this team had a chance to beat UCLA yeah. early in should've the year in the tournament in Clearwater. And yeah, should have beat them. Um, you know, if they end up a 15-seed host, guess guess who they draw in Supers? UCLA. Right. Uh, unless UCLA, uh, for I haven't seen them, you know, get knocked out of the Pac-12 tournament or anything early on. So, uh, I, I think I think Jerry and this team is I think they're confident, man. Uh, they've played. They've got wins over Florida. They've got wins over Indiana, Ole Miss, LSU. They've played what nine games against top 15 teams, and they've won a couple of those. They've won three of those, I believe. I think their record is three and six. I, I, I don't think I don't think this team is is sweating, you know, having to go. Look now, if they end up 16, okay, yeah. You don't want to go to you don't want to go to Norman, have to play Oklahoma. That team is just too good. Uh, but if you're a 15 or even a 14, the highest I've seen in any projections is a 14 seed for, for UL. I, I think that is their ceiling. I don't think they get to a 13 seed. I think they'll be a 14 or a 15 or even a 16 if they if they do host. Um, but I, I think a 14 and a 15, I don't think they're sweating who they might would meet in a super, man. I, I think they would go into that that trip super confident. Captain Corey Diaz here at Williamson Park. Again, top of the six, still 2-2. South Alabama just put a runner on second with a double into the left center gap. You know, see, they're getting base hits up the middle, which means you're seeing the ball out of out of uh, her hand early and putting good contact on it, and they're getting that from their six-hole hitter. That's what I meant earlier by I think South Alabama's a more, more complete, complete team. team. For sure. Um, I'm not saying Marshall's not a good team. Uh, and they got one of the best pitchers, uh, obviously, in the conference. But I, I just think South Alabama presents a, a, a greater challenge uh, for UL, potentially, if they can get through today. Now, I haven't got to talk to you in a couple of weeks. Let's talk about LSU women's basketball. <laughs> who, who can they not get? Look, see, here <laughs> – look, love, love Kim Mulkey or hate her or, or be indifferent with her, here's what she's done. She has us talking about her women's basketball program in the middle of May. When was the last time you had discussions on the radio about LSU women's basketball in the middle in of May. a during a conference well, yeah, championship? While, while you're at a softball tournament, right? Yeah, I mean, it, I mean, it, it's remarkable. You know, um, obviously an improbable run to a national championship in her second year. Uh, you know, she loses probably. Uh, Probably the most important player during the championship run in Alexis Morris at point guard. Yeah, Angel got all the headlines, got all the got all the ink. But if Alexis Morris doesn't play the way that she did during the tournament, they don't win the national championship. You lose her. Jasmine Carson has a game of her life. She graduated. She's gone. 
you lose Ladeja Williams, uh, who was the, the silent assassin uh, for that team last year, especially in the in the home stretch of the regular season and the conference tournament and in the NCAA tournament. And then you just go out and you go ho-hum. Uh, let me just go ahead and add Haley Van Liff out of the transfer portal, the grad transfer guard from Louisville who averages 20 points and five assists a game. And who is just uh, a downright baller, uh, she, by Yeah, the way. I, I mean, you know, if you're talking about personality, she's got it. You know, a lot of people uh, hearken her to, uh, you know, Kim Mulkey in her days at Louisiana Tech when she was playing. Uh, you can see some of those similarities, uh, how they approach and play the game. Yeah. Uh, and then 10 days after that, uh, you know, I think I'll just go ahead and get the second best uh, rated transfer out of the portal and sophomore uh, forward from DePaul and Anissa Morrow, who is a walking double-double herself, just like Angel Reese. Uh, listen, man, things are things and, are going good on the Bayou. And not to mention the top high school player. Yes. A top 10 high school player in Alea Del Rosario. I mean... Angelica Velez, who doesn't who doesn't get talked about enough, who is 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 certainly the heir apparent at the point guard position behind Van Lith, you know, after her one year uh, in Baton Rouge. And listen, go look up her highlight reel. It is insane. Uh, she is going to be so good uh, for for Kim and what Kim looks out of at the point guard position. Velez fits it perfectly. And Janae Kent, you know, she she's a top seventy five recruit. Yep. Uh, you know. She's one of those that will come in and, and, and probably sit for a couple of years and really develop, kind of like a Samaya Smith now. Um, dude, I, they have all the pieces. Look, they're going to be – I thought when they when they got Haley, I thought they were going to be the preseason number one team over UConn, who, who is – look, let's don't, let's don't overlook them. They're absolutely right, right. loaded as well with Paige and, and, and AZ coming back and Aaliyah Edwards, you know, there in the post. Gino, Gino's loaded as usual. Um, but I thought with Haley – they were going to be the preseason number one team, but now that you add Anissa, it cements it for me. They will be preseason number one, and they will they will clearly be the favorites uh, to win the national championship next year. Real quick, who wins tonight, Louisiana or Texas State? Oh, it, listen, it, it's the Cajuns. Um, you know, the thing the thing that we saw last night uh, with, with Jordan Campbell and uh, and Stormy coming off the bench. Uh, you know, Jerry said it a couple weeks ago. He feels like he has twelve to thirteen ladies that he can really count on to go out there and deliver. Um, whether they're starting the game or they come off like we saw last night. For for college softball, for for a coach at this point in the year to be that confident in in that number of players, look, 13 is, is a big number. Uh, and, we, and like I said, we saw it last night. I, I just think this Cajuns team is about as deep as the program's been in a while. Um, I think the Cajun wins tonight, and, and we'll, see, uh, we'll see them in the championship game here tomorrow. Corey Diaz of Daily Advertiser joining us here on Crunch Time. Corey, appreciate you as always, my man. Appreciate uh, you, brother. Enjoy the game tonight. Enjoy the rest of your weekend. And yeah, we'll man. Talk I'm, I'm going to get back over there to the shade. I'll leave yeah. you here with the Absolutely. stuff. <laughs> Absolutely. Corey Diaz of the Daily Advertiser joining us here on Crunch Time. We'll take a timeout and wrap up today's show right after this. This is Crunch Time on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. If you want to take your lady out for a nice dinner, but you happen to be low on cash, well, not to worry. The Game Clubhouse at 1037thegame.com or 1041thegame.com can help with your date night blues. Join the Rewards Club to have the opportunity to score excellent prizes like a $150 gift certificate to Mr. Lester's Steakhouse and a $25 gift certificate to Mabel's Kitchen, both located at Cypress Bayou Casino Resort. But you can only score these great prizes by joining the Game Clubhouse at 1037thegame.com or 1041thegame.com. It's free. It's simple. So go sign up today. 
Welcome back to Crunch Time. Wrapping up today's show, Matt Miquez, James Mesh. James, let's make some picks. Who wins tonight, Cajuns or Texas State? I'm taking the Cajuns. I'm going Cajuns as well. Uh, Lakers, Warriors. Warriors. I'm going Warriors as well. Knicks, Heat. Heat. I'm going Knicks. I think Miami. I think I think New York forces a uh, a, a game seven here. Do the Astros win tonight? I'll take the Astros in game one. Cajuns baseball against Texas State. Do they start off on the right path? I think they do. I, I'll take two out of three. And then LSU baseball against Mississippi State. LSU sweep. And Nichols against Northwestern. I mean, McNeese against Northwestern. Excuse me. Uh, McNeese two out of three. And then Celtics game seven. Ooh, yeah. There you go. There you go. Does McNeese win the Southland Conference Championship in softball? Yes. Beautiful. For James Mesh, I'm Matt Miguez. Be safe, be well, give a hug to your mom and them, considering it's Mother's Day on Sunday. And we'll be back on Monday to recap the weekend right here on The Game at Southwest Louisiana Sports Station and your home for the LSU Tigers and the World Series champion, Houston Astros.